came in like a missile, like a fireball missile across from the New York Harbor side, I guess from the north direction. It came in like a spear, just speared through the building like a fireball. I've never seen war up close, but today I have. It's just this sound, this rumble. This mass cloud coming at us. It's intense. All right, good evening once again. All right, welcome once again, everyone, to uh, our prophecy seminar. It's titled Never Forget. Um, this is the penultimate night, night before last. And by God's grace, we hope that the power of God will increase as we increase in our knowledge of His Word. But we don't just want to increase in our knowledge. We want these words to transform us. We want these words to bring us to repentance. For when Christ came, his first message was, Repent ye, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our, our goal is not just to preach nice things. right? It's not just so that we sit here and say, Oh, this is nice and this song's good. But we want to make sure, uh, we, we hope that your hearts have been touched. We hope that the message is, is, is reaching in that place where you are called to repentance. For the word says, cry aloud, spare not, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. So if we're teaching, if we're crying aloud, our goal is to show the sin. All right, and a few nights ago, I did a uh, presentation titled The Sin of Forgetting, right? Because to forget is a sin. And we show that we forgot much about what has happened in past histories, and we've forgotten much of what happened even in our recent history, 9-11. And so we'll continue tonight on this topic, continuing to bring history and prophecy together so that we can have a right understanding of the time we are living in and the steps that we must take going forward. Shall we silently invite God's presence uh, before we begin? Amen. Last night, Kennard uh, read the quote where Sister White came down to New York City and she highlighted specific things that was going to happen. She says there's going to be an alarm of fire and the men would say the building was safe. And we saw and we understand that um, he also read a collection of, uh, of, of, of articles that were gathered right at 9-11 when they said to the people, go back into the building, it is secure. Um, we also saw uh, the Lord raised the thought showing that um, before, uh, after the, 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 the building of the uh, Empire State Building in 1930, the next large building that was built in New York City was World Trade Center 1, World Trade Center 2, 
finishing in 1973. And it is no coincidence that the Lord would have these things that way because the Lord takes care that history and prophecy doth agree. And we saw that at no time, at no time after the 1930s, the New York had such a fire. All right, a fire that called out more than 44 engines, more than uh, 100 firefighters to the same fire. All right, no such event had took place in the history of, of, of New York City. And in fact, maybe the history of the world. Right? We've never heard something like that. In fact, every single person who had sense knew where they were on 9-11. And that's the impact of 9-11. And the Lord gave that prophecy to Ellen White so that when we come down to the end of the world, that we would have uh, uh, confidence in the testimonies of his spirit. All right? So, nevertheless, one of the rules that, 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 I, um, that, that, that is, is most important here at the end of the world is Alpha and Omega, beginning and ending, first and last. And so tonight, I just want to add some additional information to what was presented last night, introduce uh, uh, some, uh, another new thought, and um, by God's grace, we'll be blessed uh, to understand even better the times we are living in. My first slide, I want to talk about John D. Rockefeller. Now, why am I talking about John D. Rockefeller? If we want to know how it's going to happen in the, in, in the end, we always look at the beginning. And John D. Rockefeller, as we will read, was essentially the father of American business. Not, not that he invented business, but his style of, 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 of doing business was the pattern for every other large corporation that we have today. And therefore, he becomes the father of American business. All right? So let us read up about him. These things are taken from um, some websites. The, the, the links are there. Um, some of them from Wikipedia, and, and people might not like Wikipedia, but Wikipedia is, is, is pretty um, accurate for simple information. All right? If you just want a simple synopsis of something, Wikipedia is a fine place to go. I mean, um, if you don't like Wikipedia, you can look it up in other places, but let us read. I'm just going to read the bold in this slide. Uh, John D. Rockefeller. Now, it says, Standard Oil... All right, I'll, um, I'll just continue until um, we could get that sorted out, all right? So Rockefeller was the owner of Standard Oil. Um, for those of us who don't know, Standard Oil was the largest oil company uh, 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 um, in America um, in, the, in, the 19, in the late 1800s, coming into the early 1900s. And Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, was the owner of Standard Oil. And I, and I want to read this. It says... Standard Oil was the first great business trust in the United States. All right? There go that word. It was the first great business trust in the United States. All right? Therefore, every other trust, for, for the most part, is built on this model. It continues. Through use, uh, through use of the company's monopoly power. All right? This, I want to take these two things. It was a trust 
that was a monopoly. That is how American business uh, was, was first done. All right? Continuing onwards. What is, a tr what is a trust? What is a trust? It says, a trust from the 1828 dictionary. A trust is something committed to a person's care for use or management and for, and for which an account must be rendered. All right? So in order, uh, a trust is something you give to someone. Amen? So I have a house, and I entrust you with the keys <coughs> as caretaker and expect when I come back that you will be accountable for it. What does that sound like? That sounds like a heavenly father. Amen? He entrusted us with his breath. Amen? He entrusted us with his talents. He entrusted us with his goods. And therefore, when he comes, what are we to give for it? We're to give an account of it. So a trust by itself, not a bad thing. Amen? So when Rockefeller uh, made a trust, a trust by itself, not a bad thing. Amen? What is a monopoly? A monopoly is the sole power of vending any species of goods obtained by either engrossing the articles in the market by purchase or by a license from the government confirming this privilege. In other words, a monopoly gives you unrestricted access by yourself, you alone, exclusive access to a particular material, a particular market, or a particular anything, right? You have a monopoly when you have everything in one section of the market, whether it be sales of that thing or purchase of that thing, all right? But a monopoly in itself is not all bad because God has all rights to everything, amen? And he has a monopoly on truth, right? He alone says what is truth. He has a monopoly on who comes into heaven and who goes out. He alone does these things. So in itself, those things are not bad. All right? But when, if done right, it's right. Amen? Israel was supposed to have a monopoly on the sanctuary. Every nation was to come to Israel to learn about the sanctuary. They had the monopoly on that truth. Amen? But when they did the wrong thing with that truth, the Lord took it and gave it to the Gentiles. Amen? Let's continue. It says monopolies by individuals obtained by engrossing are an, an offense prohibited by law. So by law, um, they, they prohibit monopolizing because it's unfair. Why? Because men don't play fair. All right? It's not, it's not unlawful in itself if the men play fair. All right? But these laws are here because men don't play fair. Let us continue. So John D. Rockefeller had a monopoly. He had the first corporate trust. And what that is, is a corporation under which all, all his other corporations came under. Let us read. The business of corporate trust came in, into use in the 19th century United States during the Gilded Age as a legal device to consolidate. Keep that word in mind. To consolidate industrial activity across what? State lines. That is very important. Right? It says, in 1882, John D. Rockefeller and other owners of Standard Oil faced several obstacles in managing and profiting, all right, from their large oil refining business. Drop down to the next um, 
bold part. It says, to avoid cross-state taxation and to impose a single management hierarchy. So their monopoly, their trust, was to avoid taxes. Their trust was to give them the ability to better manage their, their businesses because each state made their own laws concerning businesses. So when they put all these businesses in a trust, essentially the trust acts like one person. Everyone's following? The trust consolidates all businesses under it. All right, let us continue. Rockefeller himself held 41% of the trust certificates. The next most powerful trustee held about 13%. This trust became the model for other industries. This is why I'm saying that was the beginning. All right, this trust was the model. Every other business today is modeled after that. Amen? It says, now this next, um, um, this next quote, this next uh, paragraph gives us a little insight into Rockefeller's life. It says, he was a devout Northern Baptist. I'm just reading the bold now. So Rockefeller was a church-going fellow. He was a devout Baptist. Therefore, he was bound to the rules of the scriptures. Or he should have been bound to the rules of the scriptures. Amen? It says, he, had, he, he adhered to total abstinence from alcohol and tobacco throughout his life. He was a faithful congregant of the Erie Street Baptist Mission, taught Sunday school, and served as a trustee, clerk, and occasional janitor. So he was not a man who thought himself high enough to not do a menial job. All right? Even though he was a, 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 a company man. All right? Religion was the guiding force throughout his life, and he believed it to be the source of his success. All right? Let's continue. Rockefeller was a religious man. Why, why, why am I bringing this up? Because we read that Sister White says what? They forgot. they forgot. All right? It's important to understand the mindset of these men at the time, but it's so that we can understand why Sister White said what she said. All right? Let us go to... Um, I praise God because the Lord helped me to see the monopoly in the Bible. It is really nice when you see it. First uh, Timothy 6 and verse 1, verse 1 to 10. It says, Let as what? As many servants beware. There's your trust. Under the yoke of their own masters, worthy of all honor. There's your trust. All servants were to be under their master. The Lord entrusted that master with what? Servants, the Lord made him a trust. Amen? There's, there's your trust. If he had all the servants in the area, he was that monopoly. Right? There's your trust. There's your monopoly. Which means everything that follows is about trusts and monopolies. Amen? It says that, he, that, he, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And, they, and that they have believing masters... Sorry, let me read that again. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them. Let them what? Because they are what? Brethren. So you could, as much as you are head of the trust, the people under you are your what? This is Christ. Amen? Christ is the head of the church, but he says what? All ye are? Brethren. I go to my father and your father. Okay, so there is, a, there is a right way to operate a trust. 
There is a right way to operate a monopoly. It's right here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right? It says, But rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the what? All was to benefit under the trust. All right? When Rockefeller made a trust, everyone was supposed to benefit. Right? It says, These things teach and, and exhort. Continuing on. If a man teach what? If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is what? He's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and, and, and strifes of words, whereof committeth envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that what? Gain is godliness. That's Rockefeller's mindset. That was his mindset. He attributed all his gains to the gospel. But the Bible says if you don't run your trust properly, it says it plainly here, if a man teach otherwise, consent and consent not, um, it says from such what? Withdraw thyself. America, in fact, Seventh-day Adventists were supposed to teach America to withdraw from that man. But that's what Sister White was teaching. She was letting people know not to come under that stuff. Because God was going to destroy that stuff. Alright, let us continue. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, let us be content. Let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and what? Perdition. And perdition. When Connor went over last night, showing that, I think it was last night, showing that the church, they put their money in that. That's what they did. They went after perdition. Who's the son of perdition? Judas. Judas. What does Judas love? Money. money. Yes, Satan. All right. It says, for the love of money, the very next deck is the what? Root of Rockefeller's love of money was the root of all evil in business in America. That trust set the stage for all evil that was going to be operated under trust or under cooperation in America. This, we could, this is the source. You could trace it, right? Go back to 1798 when God's people came out of the wilderness. No businesses, no nothing. They came to America empty-handed. Amen? They had nothing. Come up to uh, uh, 1844, the gold rush didn't happen yet. All right, the gold rush, I think, happened in 1849, 48, 49, right, up, right about, just before 1850. All right? After that, they had a civil war. Amen? What was the leading moneymaker in America during that time? Slavery. They weren't doing business the way Rockefeller did it. Slavery was the leading business. As soon as slavery finished, right there, the 1870s, what began? Then you had the trains, right? Now, now you, you, the gold rush had happened. Now America began to progress as an industrial nation. Then you had the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies. That's the J.P. Morgans. That, that's when they came up. 
All right? So you could only trace business right back to Rockefeller. Praise God for that. You trace it right back to him. All right? Now, friends, we're going to have to teach that. These people are not going to be happy. These people are not going to be happy. Because the Lord is going to show us more. The Lord is going to give, show us the evils. He says, Ezekiel, come. And I'll show you what these people do in the dark. He will show us these evils. And we have to call sin by its right name. All right? This is only the beginning. We're only scratching the surface of what the Lord will show us concerning these men. Let us continue. Now let us go to Mark chapter 10. This is Rockefeller. Just, just, just it, it is so lovely. It means that he was warned. That's why Sister White could write the way she write. She knew they, they turned their ears from God's word. Mark chapter 10, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled uh, to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. This is, this, this is to Rockefeller. This is what the Lord told him. You know the commandments. Right? Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, What? Master, all these I have observed from my... Somebody told Rockefeller, Don't drink alcohol. What did he say? All these I've observed from my youth. I don't break the law. I'm a Christian. This is Rockefeller. Amen? But what did Christ say? Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure where? In heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And, Jesus, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? That was Rockefeller. I, I, I wasn't there, but by the scripture, I know he was warned. The Lord does not destroy without warning. I know he was warned. He knew he was doing wrong. In fact, because of him, we have something today called antitrust laws. The whole, the public was mad at Rockefeller. So he knew. He was told. Let us continue. So now that we understand this man, I just want to put in this other um, principle from Sister White. Um, she says, she, in talking about what happened during the, the, the time, 1840, 1844, the midnight cry, she says, while none, none seem to the, able to suggest the cause, the fact was widely noted and commented upon both by press and pulpit. I just want to bring in this. One of the ways in which uh, things go out is by press and pulpit. I want to take this principle. right? It's, it's still a principle at the end of the world. Press and pulpit. Everyone's following? All right, let us continue. Next quote. Uh, manuscript 150, 1899. She says, the very same state of things existed in the time of, that existed in the time of Noah exists today in our world. From pulpit and from press, by voice and pen, 
the proclamation goes forth that the law of God is done away. That, that's what, if they fight the law by person pulpit, how should we uphold the law? By person pulpit. Amen? Man sinned, Christ became a? Amen. Man fight Christ's law, so Christ, Christ came as that very man. The same thing they used to bring God down is the same thing we're going to use to lift God up. All right? It says, God calls upon those who know the truth, and that's you and I. Those of you who are listening, that is you and I because you are learning the truth today. It says, God calls upon those who know the truth to impart the light they have received. Like Noah, they are to lift their voice in the warning saying, the end of all things is at hand. So right now, the message that should be coming from a pulpit is the end of all things is at hand. From press and pulpit. I want to keep that. Because after this, I'm going to go and show that the press indeed taught that all things or um, the end was at hand. They didn't say the end was at hand, but they said exactly what Sister White said. And by saying what she said, they were saying the end is at hand. Amen? Therefore, we ought to do the same from press and pulpit. So now let's look at the World Trade Center. Now that we have the past, all right, I want us to come up now to our time. What we learn about Rockefeller, we're going to see pretty soon that he plays an important role in the World Trade Center. All right? Rockefeller brought the states together. Everyone's following? All his businesses across state lines were brought together. Amen? Let us continue. The agencies of evil, Sister White in 1911, are combining and what? Consolidating their forces. They are strengthening for the last great. When, when, when Satan began to, to consolidate businesses from back in the day, he was strengthening for the last crisis. All that was for the last crisis. All right? Christ tells the end by the beginning, and Satan is a student of prophecy. All right? And he sees what's coming. So what does he do? He starts his work. In fact, he started his work to fight Christ from the day Adam and Eve was cast out of the garden. That's what he does. The same thing at the end of the world. From the moment Sister White received this prophecy, what was he doing? He's fighting, right? So let us continue. Um, we read that already, 1 Timothy 6.10. Let's go now to the World Trade Center. It says World Trade Center complex comprised uh, World Trade Center complex of several buildings around a central plaza in New York City that in 2001 was the site of the deadliest terrorist attack, attack in American history. The complex, located at the southwestern tip of Manhattan, near the shore of the Hudson River, and a few blocks northwest of Wall Street, was built by the Port Authority of New York and New, Jer and New Jersey as a central facility for what? For businesses and government involved in what? Okay, the World Trade Center dealt with country lines. Rockefeller introduced how to do it over state lines. The World Trade Center was designed to do it across country lines. All right? It's a direct connection between what Rockefeller did and what Rockefeller did. And we'll see what I'm talking about. Let's continue. It says, The original idea for the Trade Center in New York is generally credited to David Rockefeller, grandson of John D. Rockefeller. No coincidence. All right? Let us continue. One of industrialist John D. Rockefeller's many grandsons. In fact, the idea was proposed soon after World War II 
a decade before Rockefeller got, ever got involved. But he was the one who what? Actually got the ball rolling. Let's continue. In the 1950s and 60s, while serving as chairman of Chase Manhattan Bank, Rockefeller, that's the, the, the grandson, David, was dedicated to revitalizing Lower Manhattan. He hoped to energize the area with new construction in much the what? The same way his father revitalized Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan, in the 1930s with Rockefeller Center. Great-grandfather, um, father, and son, all doing the same thing. All right? Amen. No difference. Let us continue. It says, as a part of the plan, David Rockefeller proposed a complex dedicated to international trade. John D. Rockefeller dedicated his trust to national trade. Everyone's following? All right. Amen. It's the sins of the fathers. It says, to be constructed on the east end of, the wall, of wall Street, Rockefeller believed that the Trade Center, which would include office and hotel space, an exhibit hall, a, a securities and exchange center, and numerous shops, would be just the thing to do what? Spur economic growth in the... So is the whole mindset is what? Money. Money. Like father, like son. Money is what's running their mind. Let's continue. The, the difference with them and their father is they forgot. Their father had Christian principles. They don't. They forgot. All right? Let's continue. By the 1960s, he, Rockefeller, they, um, David Rockefeller, had certainly something to do what? Something to gain from the World Trade Center project. He had just put up the expensive 60-story Chase Manhattan Bank Tower in the financial district and wanted to increase the value of the bank's investment. But he was also driven by the what? Spirit of what? Spirit of confederacy. International unity. Yes. Amen. And that's nice because you could, trade, you could see that if the father was gold, and the son was silver. You, you could follow that. And him, Grisha. All right? The next um, generation would be... Yep. Amen. So let's continue. It says, A World Trade Center would bring people together from all over what? All over the globe. His goal was to bring the globe together, while his grandfather's goal was to bring America together. All right? It says, with the help of his brother, Nelson Rockefeller, the governor of New York State at the time, David Rockefeller got the Port of New York Authority involved. God takes care that history and prophecy doth agree. It could have been any other person in the governor's office. It could have been any other person building Manhattan Chase Bank. But the Lord ensured that it was a Rockefeller. It, Anybody else could have built the World Trade Center, could have, could have put forth the idea. The Lord made sure it was a Rockefeller. Amen? All right, let us continue. She says, The scene that next passed before me was an alarm of fire. Men looked at a lofty and supposedly fireproof building and said they are perfectly safe. 
But these buildings are consumed as if made of pitch. The fire engines could do nothing to stay the destruction. The firemen were unable to operate the engines. Can I read that yesterday? Showing, and, and we could just go back at the news. All the firemen were just covered with, with the dust, right? And the fire engines could do nothing that day. In fact, the fire burned for 90-something days, right, without them being able to put it out. All right? And the Lord was, this, this was the Lord confirming this part of the quote. But I, I went to this part of the quote because I want to specifically focus now on the fireproof part. All right? Why did she say men looked at the lofty and supposedly fireproof buildings? Next line. This comes from this website. It says, in 1872, the Chicago Fire Council directed that all new construction material must employ fire-resistant building materials. This was the first time in the history of the United States that buildings began to employ fireproofing. In 1871, there was something called the Great Chicago Fire. It lasted for three days. Right after that, insurance companies were the ones who spurred it on because they didn't want to pay. Right? So they went to the legislators and they pushed for fireproof buildings. All right? And so from 1872, now every building that comes up is supposedly what? Fireproof. Let us see. It says, Van Osdel became convinced that terracotta made from sand and clay would prove a more fire-resistant building material than wood. When rebuilt, terracotta tiles covered the roof of the new Palmer House, framed with iron and covered in brick, Promoters build the Palmer House, the world's only fireproof hotel. All right? That was their mindset. All right? It's really, it's really nice when you understand it. It makes it so easy to understand what 9-11 is all about. Understand how they came up and understand how they act today. Bring them together. You'll see it's the same. That's why the God's dealing, God's dealing with men is ever there. Because they don't change. Right? They just do the sins of the father they may do it on a bigger level but it's the same sin of the father but if they do it on a bigger level then god must respond on a bigger level let us continue on to the next slide june 25th 2002 this article comes from the washington post and this article is titled fireproofing faulted in trade yes fireproofing faulted in trade center collapse you couldn't make this up. From press and? There's the press preaching. The press is preaching. It's telling us. She said, supposedly fireproof buildings. What does the press say? Fireproof was the problem. Amen? Let's continue. Fireproof failures, rather, the, 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 the impact of the plane crashes probably caused the World Trade Center towers to quickly collapse. The insulation... Uh, the bold part. The insulation is going to turn out to be the root cause. Amen? Next bold. Neither tower, he found, had fireproofing thick enough to withstand the fire's blast furnace intensity for two hours. All right, next, next quote. It says, the north tower, which had one and a half inch thick fireproofing, fell in 104 minutes. And the south tower, which is, which is three quarter inch thick Fireproofing collapsed in 56 minutes, under two hours. Amen? All right. On to the next, um, next one. This one is very important. I love this one.
Because this, this particular study is from the government themselves. And this is why I love this one. This is the government agencies doing their, 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 their post-9-11 analysis, and this is what they found. So Congress records this. In fact, this exact wording came from a, 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 one of the committee hearings, all right, in Congress, all right? So th this has come from the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And their objective was to determine why and how World Trade Center 1 and World Trade Center 2 collapsed following the initial impacts of the aircrafts. All right, so let us read uh, point number one. I'm just going to read the bold. It says, however, the two towers withstood the impacts and would have remained standing were it not for the dislodge what? Fireproofing and the subsequent multi-floor fires. Sister White said it was going to be fireproofing, and God made sure that it was fireproofing. Amen? The Lord takes care that history and prophecy doth agree. All right? Let us continue. Next quote. Uh, next point. In World Trade Center 1, the what? The fires. All right? So that was, they said, the fires. Drop down to the next bowl. The time from aircraft impact to collapse initiation was largely determined by how long it took the what? The fires to weaken the building core. All right? Next one. Next point from them. World Trade Center 2, the bold part. It says the fires steadily, the steady burning fires. So tower one, fire. Tower two, fire. It could have, it could have fallen a different way. All right? But it's fire. The Lord said it was going to be fire. Why is this thing ringing? And it ended up being as the Lord said. Let us continue. It says in the bold, the time from aircraft impact to collapse initiation was largely determined by the time the fires need to weaken the perimeter columns and floor assemblies. The, um, the next bold says they were early and persistent Fires, right? So I'm only using that to make the point that Sister White says supposedly fireproof buildings, and they said what? Supposedly fireproof buildings. Sister White preached it from the pulpit because she's uh, uh, the servant of God, amen? And they preached it from the press. From press and? And we have to do the same here at the end of the world. All right? As they preach, we preach. And we give them the truth. All right? Next point. It says, the World Trade Center towers likely would not have collapsed under the combined effects of the aircraft impact damage and the extensive multi-flow fires that were encountered on September 11, 2001 if the thermal insulation had not been widely dislodged or had been only minimally dislodged by aircraft impact. Now this part, the last one, I really like it because... Many people today have this theory, or conspiracy theory, you want to call it that, that the buildings were brought down by a controlled demolition. Others say um, um, it's, it's Islam. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Islam. They had a, a part in it. But Ellen White says, one touch from whose finger? And God determines what his finger is. Amen? When, God, when, when the finger of God was, was done in, in um, Genesis chapter 5, I believe, no. No, seven, I believe. With Moses and Genesis and Jack. 
Exodus, sorry, Exodus 7. How did the Lord put his finger down? By a miracle. Amen? He used the men to put his finger down. Amen? And they said this is none other than the finger of God. Moses had a natural rod. Amen? Moses was a natural man. And he dropped that rod, and that rod swallowed up Janus and Jambri's rod. Right? And so at 9-11, the Lord did the same thing. He used natural entities as his finger. Amen? But they said, many people think it's controlled demolition by the CIA and all that stuff. But let us read. And, and, and some, um, some, you might say, where is it? All right. You might say that, yes, it's the government. They could lie. But one reason I know that this is not a lie is because God said it first. All right? Because God said it first, what they said here is not a lie. So let us read. It says, the National Institute of Standards and... and, and, and I always forget that. All right, it's cool. NIST, NIST for short, found no corroborating evidence for alternative hypotheses suggesting that the World Trade Center towers were brought down by what? Controlled demolition using explosive planted prior to September 11, 2001. Instead, next bold part, photographs and videos from several angles clearly showed that the collapse initiated at the fire, the impact floors, and the collapse progressed uh, from the initiating flows downwards until what? Dust clouds obscured the view. One touch by the finger of God, and these buildings would fall as if made of pitch. And if you trace that word pitch, if you look up the definition, it means lamp black. And if you, you know what lamp black is? You know the lamp, when you light it, the shade gets black inside of it? When you pass your finger on that, it's what? It's just, ah, just that's exactly what happened on 9-11. It turned into lamp black. Yep, it was a dark day. Amen? So, let us continue. This is what Isaiah have to say now. Isaiah, confer, uh, not confirms, but Isaiah agrees with Sister White. And Isaiah also agrees with the media of today. By press and pulpit. Alright? And now Isaiah is standing on the pulpit. And this is what he has to say. Amen? Associate. Do what? Rockefeller was associating the states. Rockefeller grandfather. Rockefeller grandson was associating the countries. Amen? Alright, but this is what Isaiah has to say to both of them. Associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be what? Broken in pieces. Give and give air, all ye for what? Countries. He's talking to Israel and the world. He's talking to America, Father, who, who brought the states together, and the world, those who came together under the World Trade Center. And then he says, Gird yourselves and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves and ye shall be broken in pieces. The Lord does not um, repeat things that are of no great consequence. Take counsel together. Who took counsel to build the World Trade Center? The Rockefeller brothers. The one that was the governor and the one that was um, in the bank. All right? It says, 
Take counsel together and it shall come to naught. Speak the word and it shall not stand, for God is <coughs> for God is with us. Yes, Let's continue. Verse 11. For the Lord thus instructed me, sorry, for the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. Who is Isaiah talking to? At the end of the world. Seventh day Adventists. And he was telling them, stay away from the Rockefellers. Stay away from these people. That was the counsel. Stay away from the money men. All right? It says, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom the people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts. Let him be a fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is Adventist was to fear God because 9-11 was about to fall. Right? Not 9-11, but the towers were about to fall. This is Isaiah's message to the Adventist church. And they didn't heed the message. Let us continue. It says, And he shall be for a what? So which message should go forth? The sanctuary message. Amen? But for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both uh, the houses of Israel, for a jinn and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and taken. Take that to Isaiah 28 because they don't know how to study. All right? The word was upon them line upon line. But they, Jeff went to them how? Line upon line. Here a little end. But they were broken, snared, and taken. We'll see how they were taken. The Bible says, bind up the what? The testimony. Bind up Ellen White's words. That was the message to Adventism. Bind up the testimony. Go to 90. Find it. Read it. Learn it. I even sent Stephen Lewis with it. Bind up the testimony. Seal up the law among my disciples. And I will what? What does he say? And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob. And I will look for him. God's people were to wait. For the second coming of the Lord. They were to wait. Um, Kanan and I were discussing it. Until the Lord removed these hypocrites. Right? Because Rockefeller was a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Claiming to serve God. Yet doing shady business. Yep. Amen? Let us continue. It says. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord had given me are for signs. Seventh-day Adventist is to be a sign. What is the sign? The sign of Jonah. Jonah repented. That's the sign. God's people are to repent and head to the cities. As Jonah was a sign, so Ellen White is a sign, and so the World Trade Center was a sign, and so if we are faithful, we will be a sign. Amen? Those of us who preach from the pulpit ought to be a sign to Seventh-day Adventists that we are at the end of the world. Let us continue. It says in verse 19, and when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have what? Familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their? This message is for whom? This message is for Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? 
What did 70 Evans do on 9-11? They went after the wizards and the familiar spirits. They did not heed the message. They brought in spiritual formation. They didn't see the message. Let us continue. It says, should not the people seek unto their God for the, for the living to the dead? To the what? Law. To the law and to the testimony. testimony. If they speak not according to this word, there is what? Any Seventh-day Adventists who don't know how to explain what happened at 9-11 have no light in him. Yes, he may speak truth. Don't get me wrong. God's love is still the truth. All right? If we confess our sins, it's still the truth. But there is a truth for the time. There is a specific truth for the time. And the Lord made that truth prominent on September 11, 2001. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old path. The Lord called us back to go and understand the testimonies. And it says, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is, no, there is no light in them. God's people today should be first and foremost in explaining 9-11. In explaining what Ellen White wrote in 9 that very first chapter. All right, let us continue. Let us continue. So, Adventists didn't listen. The Rockefellers didn't listen. Right? The world didn't listen. The church didn't listen. And we came to 9-11, and what happened? Exactly what Isaiah said, right? The Lord was going to crush them, right? Isaiah, um, what, did, what was the phrase he used? He used it twice. No, no. No, no. Isaiah said that you shall be broken in pieces. Right? He said it twice. And so 9-11 came, and what happened? Not only was the trade center broke, Adventists were also broken in pieces. All right? Because Adventists were scattered. All right? Not, the, much Adventists don't have no bearing right now. Because they were broken in pieces. Amen? And so you come down to that point, and it happens. And prophecy was fulfilled. And Adventist church was supposed to know that Ellen White, was, was, her, her words were now in full force, in full effect. We were to go back to the health. Right? At that point, we have to go back to the health, the dress. Right? We have to bring back all those standards that God gave in the beginning. Right? Bringing men back to a healthier lifestyle. You know what happened? We didn't do it. You know what the world did? Turn, Satan did. He turned everybody vegan. Satan took what we should have been doing, and he went into the world and perverted it. All right? Everybody's healthy. Everybody's exercising. Everybody's in the gym. Amen? That, that what Adventists should have been teaching men how to exercise healthier, how to eat healthier, how to dress healthier. Amen? Well, let us continue. She says, I am instructed. Continue on. 90, 13, paragraph 2. Where does instruction come from according to the scriptures? All scripture is given for. So where is she getting this information from? From the scriptures. She says, I am instructed that when, not if, when the Lord's time come, should no change have taken place in the hearts of proud, ambitious human beings, men will find that the hand that, is, that had been strong to save will be strong to, to destroy. No earthly power could stay the hand of God. And that was fulfilled at 9-11. Amen? No earthly power was able to stay in 
But we'll see that this quote only received a partial fulfillment. All right? She says this. No earthly power can stay the hand of God. No material can be used in the erection of buildings that will preserve them for the, from the destruction. What? When God's appointed time comes to send what? Retribution on men for their disregard of his law and for their selfish ambition. This retribution she's here is the final retribution. Yes, it was retribution at 9-11. Amen? But the retribution she's speaking of, because I, I, I'm sure Kanan will touch on it um, tomorrow night, and maybe we'll see a little more of it, but she's really talking about the retribution that comes at the end. All right? But we receive at 9-11 a taste of it. Amen? She says, sorry, not she says, but I, um, on September 12, 2001, Congress met right after 9-11. And this was a speech right off the floor of Congress. Keep in mind that Sister White says, should no change take place in the hearts of human beings, men will find that the hand that has been strong to save will be strong to destroy. Right? In 1929, we had a Great Depression. Should no change take place in their hearts then, the, ha the hand that was strong to save was going to do what to them? To destroy just the same. This quote is a principle. It has its location, but I'm just saying, so you can see the principle of this quote throughout the history of the world. Amen? But right now, right now we're dealing with 9-11. Should no change take place at 9-11, the hand that is strong to save would be the one strong to, and the retribution then is yet future. Amen? So let us continue. <clears throat> Congress, this is what they said. The world should know, and I can imagine them reading this thing in a proud manner. But she says, I mean they said, the world should know, that the members of both parties of the House of Congress stand how? Right united. Right after 9-11, they said we will not break up our confederacy. Amen? It says, the full resources of our government will be brought to bear in aid, aiding and the search and rescue and the hunting down of those responsible that those who may, and those who may have aided or harbored them. Nothing. Nothing can replace the losses that we have suffered. I know that there is only the smallest measure of inspiration that can be taken from this devastation. But there is a passage in the Bible from where? From Isaiah that I think speaks to all of us in times such as this. At times such as this. The bricks have fallen. But fallen down, amen. But we will rebuild with dressed stone. The figs tree have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. And this is their words. This is what we will do. We will rebuild. We will recover. Let us continue. Keep in mind, Sister Y says, should no change come, what's going to happen? It's going to fall again. Did they change? The very next day, they stood up and beat their chest and boast. The very next day. What did the Adventist church do? Five days later, they stood up and changed what the Lord said they should be. In the church and in the state. And I can't prove it now, but Protestants would have changed something too. They would have also stood up and, and made boasts. 
Because the Protestant church was, how to put it, the, all their doors were open during that period. All right? They had some sort of false revival right around that period. But let us continue. Isaiah 9, this is where they got that, um, that, that, that quote from, Isaiah 9 and verse 10. But we'll read Isaiah from verse 9, Isaiah 9, verse 9 and onwards. And let us see what the Lord has to say. It says, And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, that say in the what? Pride and stoutness of heart. That was Congress. Amen? The bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them to cedars. Therefore, Isaiah is saying what Sister White also said. Should no change take place? This is what Isaiah is saying. He says, therefore, because no change take place, because they stood there with their proud self, he says, therefore, the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and join his enemies together the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel. Oh, let me change that. They shall devour the United States with an open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is still what? Still stretched out to save. That's what 9-11 was teaching. He didn't destroy them completely. His hand was still stretched out to save. It says, Therefore, the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush, in one day. The ancient and honorable, he is the head. And the prophet that teaches lies is the tail. That's both church and state. The ancient and honorable is honorable so-and-so in Congress. Right? And the prophet that teaches lies is those, those of us Seventh-day Adventists who's not teaching 90 correctly. Or who's not teaching 90 at all. Isaiah is covering, them, covering us all in here. Amen? It says, for the leaders, for the what? The, the false prophets are leaders. I know the Lord calls them the tail, but the, the men who falsely teach in the Adventist church are leaders. And the men who boasted or stood up in Congress and said, we will rebuild, are what? Leaders. This text is for both of them. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, err and they that are led of them are what? Are destroyed. That's what's coming upon those who refuse to heed the call that came with the message of 9-11. Repent thee and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. What time? 9-11. Let us continue. Now let us drop down to verse uh, 18. I should have bold a little portion of that, but it says, For wickedness burneth as the fire, it shall devour the briars and thorns, and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting of smoke. Does, isn't that Revelation um, 14? The smoke shall ascend up. Uh, this is what it's saying here, right? They shall mount up like the lifting of smoke when the briars and thorns burn. Then it says, Though the wrath uh, through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land what? Darken. And the people shall be as fuel for the fire. This is what is coming upon this land. There's going to be huge devastation coming. The next time the Lord taught something in, 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 uh, in this country, in fact, the next time he touches it is going to be in New York City. 
And the next time he touches it, it's going to be multitude of buildings. All right? Let us continue. Now, when they stood in Congress and said, we will rebuild, what did they build? They built the One World Trade Center. Amen? And Isaiah says, the Lord is going to throw that down too. Well, let us continue. Sister White says, no material can be used that could stay the hand of God. This is what she said in 19. There is no material that could be used. This is what they said about the One World Trade Center. The materials that, that buildings are also... Sorry, let me read again. The materials that buildings are made of also what? So what, are, what did they focus here? Materials. Sister White said they would have focused on the materials. So she warned us early that no material could be used to stay the hand of God. And they come out saying what? The material. The materials that, that buildings are made of also matter. The steel columns in the World Trade Center towers lost strength rapidly when the fire reached 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Concrete heated to that temperature, though uh, doesn't undergo significant physical or chemical damages. It maintains most of its mechanical properties. In other words, concrete is virtually what? Fire. They don't learn. Concrete, they said concrete is virtually fireproof. So what are they doing again? Lofty, supposedly fireproof building. They're just repeating what Sister White says. And we have proof what happened the first time, which means we have proof of what's going to happen the second time. It says, the, one, the new One World Trade Center building takes advantage of this. At its core are massive three-foot-thick reinforced concrete walls that run the full length of the building. In addition to containing large amounts of specifically designed reinforcing bars, these walls are made of high-strength concrete. My brethren, Christ says I am Alpha and Omega. And I hope that as I went through this study today that you will see that Christ is indeed Alpha and Omega. The Rockefellers were made for such a time as this. As this. Just like Pharaoh was made for such a time as, as his time, the Rockefellers came forth when they came forth because God knew and understood what they would have done. And, the, and they, they um, she says, when the time comes, the actors will take their place. And they took their place just as the Lord saw it was going to happen. The Father brought together the states. The sons seek to bring together the international community. That family is going to fall. Pharaoh fell. This is what he's teaching. This is not a message they're going to like. Yes. <laughs> okay, praise. Oh, it is the death of, because that was the Rockefellers or the first. That's nice. All right. So, that family is going to fall. But there are other families that are alongside them that are going to fall because it was two towers. Amen? Because they associated with that family. Now, on, on the... Uh, 
there's a slide that you didn't see, but on slide number four, I have a picture there. I shall put it up. <clears throat> on slide number four, I have a picture there, and it showed, uh, this, it, it's entitled, Chart Showing the Concentration, Alliance, and Interdependence of the Great Financial and Commercial, the Great Financial, Commercial, and Industrial Interests in America. All right? And as you look at this chart, in the middle of this chart, they have this large circle, right? And this circle says, dominating factors in the trust-formed industries of the United States concentration, interdependence, harmony, financial strength, commercial power, ability. In that first circle is the trusts. Everyone's following? The trust is the head. The trust runs everything. But right going away from the, the circle, going away from the circle is two lines. And I love this. It says, the first line says, Standard Oil, a Rockefeller group of financiers. The next line says this, Morgan group of financiers. There is your two buildings. There is your two buildings. And the whoever is the head of the finance grouping right now, it's going to fall. That family is going to fall, and that finance is going to fall. That's the two towers right there. And from those two things, if you look at the picture, from those two things, every other business in America is underneath it. Yes, they're going to be broken in pieces. The Lord is giving us evidence of what he's about to do. We need to seek him and ask him to reveal it even more clearer. This is just uh, an introduction into this evidence. These are things we are seeing um, now uh, for the first time, and we're sharing it. And by God's grace, he will open it. But the Lord is being slow and methodical because he wants you to prepare for it. All right? Slow and methodical because you need to repent. I need to repent. I need to put away my evil ways. I need to come out from among them. This is what the Lord is showing us. He says, the men that treat the, the, the um, I think it was in, um, in, in, in 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, no, is this, yes, 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, it says, let many servants, as are under the yoke, count their masters worthy of all honor. Then it says, if any man teach otherwise, and it closes by saying, from such, withdraw thyself. The Lord is calling you to withdraw yourself. Withdraw your money. Yes. They, why didn't they fear bank runs? What, what, whenever they see crisis, what do they do? They withdraw their money. So, but the Lord is giving us a head start. He's saying, withdraw your money. And invest in the Lord's cause. Invest in the bank that never fail. Invest in the oil that never run out. Invest in the oil that comes from the two golden pipes. Buy of me what? Invest in that gold. White raiment. Invest in that garment. And what's the last thing? I sell oil. Invest in gold and oil. This is what the Lord is saying. Take your money out of that gold and oil and invest in his gold and oil. And the Bible says, 
where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Brethren, please, I make the appeal. Give your life. Give your life. I know many look, many look at this small, uh, insignificant group and, and, and don't see the importance of joining or uh, 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 adhering to the things that are taught by this little group. It may sound like a boast, but I am confident that this is the truth. I am confident that what the Lord is showing us is the truth. And I am asking everyone under the sound of my voice, get on board. This is not a call out of the Seventh-day Adventist church. This is a call into the truth. And once you have the truth, go and get the rest of the Seventh-day Adventist church. That's what the Lord is asking us to do. He's not asking us to leave the church, but he's asking us to learn of him. He says, come rest a little while. He's pulling you out to the side so that you can have a private meeting with him. And he can build you up and send you back so you can pull others so that they can have a private meeting with him as well. Give your all to this work. I encourage each and every one on the sound of my voice to assist us in proclaiming the gospel here at the end of the world. The time has been fulfilled. 9-11 has been fulfilled. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Shall we close with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you so much for your continued guidance, Lord, for your continued watch care over us, Lord, as we do this work here in New York City. Father, small at first is this work, but we pray, O oh Lord, that you will help us to be faithful enough to see it grow into that large company, Lord, that we will see it grow, O oh Lord, into that loud cry, I will go forth before the earth, warning men of your soon coming. Father, we thank you for these truths, and we thank you that you have chosen us to, to, to do this work. And we surrender ourselves to you at this hour, Lord. And we ask, O oh Lord, that those under the sound of our voices will do the same. We pray that your Holy Spirit will torment them, O oh Lord, and that they may not have rest until they make a decision for or against this message. But may their decision be for this truth, O oh Lord, that, that we can all rejoice, Lord, in the truth, and that we can all be cleansed by you, Lord, in the cleansing in which you, you, you want to do for us even now. Please forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive our delay. Forgive our wastefulness, Lord. Help us to withdraw our monies, Lord, both spiritually and physically from these uh, 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 institutions that will fall and to put it in the cause, O oh Lord, where money never fails. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.